Praise the Lord. Well, good morning and God bless you all. It is uh, a blessing to have Pastor Henji back with us. And we thank you for your representation of us abroad. I heard from Pastor Eugene this week, our beloved brother as well, and he and I are going to connect in the week ahead. But they had a great time, and I think that you connected while you were overseas, did you not? Yeah, so praise the Lord for that. We thank you also to uh, our beloved uh, Brother Maeng and uh, Sister Lil for being present in that conference as well. I'm excited because today is a day in which we carry out one of the grandest and oldest traditions of the Christian faith, baptisms. Hallelujah. Last year, the Lord said to us it would be a year of living water. But as I have said, every time the Lord speaks uh, a point of emphasis and focus for us, the reality is that that's something eternal in the Lord. A, uh, a year of light is not the only time when the light of the Lord shines in us. A year in which we are called to plant seed faith is not the only time that the Lord is planting the seed of his word into our hearts. A year in which we are told that God will flow living water into our midst is not the only time that we remember that Jesus Christ causes living water to flow from the innermost being of everyone who will call upon him and live in him in the flow of his life, of the fountain of his love. And likewise, a year of fruitfulness is not the only time that God will produce fruit in his faithful people. And so we look forward also to harvest. But Jesus Christ has said, look around you. The fields are white for harvest. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers so that you might fully realize and fully bring in the fruit of that harvest. And that is something which as long as we are drawing breath on this earth, we understand God is saying this is the time for you to take the rest of the land, to take all of the people into the kingdom, to bring all of the kingdom to all of the people, to call all of the people into all of the kingdom. Do you, do you understand what I mean by that? There is so much more in this word of God than you or I usually live in. Really? I mean, that ought to be kind of shocking to us. Everything of heaven is already here. The kingdom is at hand. You say, well, I have sickness. There's illness in my family. There's divisions in relationships. There's a lack of money or a lack of time. I'm losing opportunity. I haven't yet seen the fulfillment. Friend, let me tell you, it's not for a lack of the kingdom and it's not for a lack of God. But very often, it is for a lack of faith. I don't mean to put the burden on you. I'm just like you. I struggle in my faith too. And just like you, I desire to live into the kingdom, but I continue to struggle with sin. And just like you, I want to believe the promises of God, but when I see the problems of the world and my own life and my own person and my own body, I struggle to believe that God will do what he has said, that God can do what he said, that God is there to do it at all. But if you will not be afraid, 
if you will only believe. If you will not listen to the voices of the world, but instead to the voice of the one who made the world and overcame it and will redeem it, if you will believe, the kingdom is at hand. And everything that you and I need for good and godly living has already been given to us. In fact, the greatest need we've ever had was to be saved from death. A verdict that hangs over the head of every person in this room and every person you came from and every person that comes from you. But that verdict has been turned around, canceled, by the cross of Christ. We come to the conclusion of our series in the Joshua generation for this year. We'll come back to Joshua next year. But we've looked at, as of today, as we conclude, the first half of the book of Joshua. It's known as the conquest of Canaan. And that means it talks about the people of the Joshua generation entering into the promised land. And today, as we come to chapters 11 and 12, we see that though they have begun to take occupation of the land, by the time you come to the end of chapter 12, they have taken the rest of the land. May I pause and say here that as we've talked about throughout this series, I want to underline and repeat to you in the authority of the Lord and by His Spirit that there are promises of God for you, to you, and God says, you haven't yet grabbed hold of all of them. And today, Jesus Christ is saying, take hold of the rest of what I have for you. With the rest of your life, take hold of the rest of the kingdom of God that is available to you. Because as long as you are living, there is more that God is giving. Hallelujah. Say that to the person next to you. As long as you are living, there is more that God is giving. And that's truer than we might even realize because you're only living because God has granted that to you. And that is a good thing. You know, no matter what else may be going wrong in your life today, may I remind you, it is a blessing to be alive today. Hallelujah. I'm grateful for life today. And whatever the challenges are, Jesus and I can face them together. Say, I have sins. Your sins are forgiven in him. Repent. And receive the assurance of that you say I have problems lift your problems to him cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you you say I don't know what to do next don't trust in your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge God and he will direct your paths you say I have a passion to see more of the kingdom in the world but I feel like it's not coming to pass then you be that witness for Jesus Christ. Receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit today. The promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. As many as will call upon the name of the Lord, you will receive the power of the Lord, His very living Spirit in you to empower you to live a holy and righteous life, to do the works of the Lord that Ephesians 2.10 says God has prepared for you in advance so that you can carry to Him in the kingdom, the good works that he has done in your life, and you will receive the reward for his good works. That's a good deal, wouldn't you say? Hallelujah. 
So as we come to the word of the Lord today, let's pray to him with happiness and joy in our hearts because he is a good God. Father, we thank you for the book of Joshua. We thank you for the life of Joshua. We thank you for the Joshua generation and we thank you for calling us a Joshua generation. We see in them failure and we see it in ourselves as well. But in you, perfection. You are gracious and patient with failure. But you don't just turn a blind eye to it. You turn your hand to it. And you turn failure into victory. May you do that in us today, Lord. Not for our own agenda, but for yours. That we might enter into the promise that you have declared. That we might be your people on the face of the earth today. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Part 11 of our series actually looks at chapters 11 and 12 of Joshua. And as I mentioned, we see how Joshua and the people of Israel take the rest of the land. But you know me, I like to play on words. And there is something in this concept that God has implanted there and intended for us to see. That in taking the totality of the land, all of it, not just what they've already received, but all that God has called them to, there is also in that a rest and refreshing that comes, not only to the people, but to the land itself. In future generations, the people of Israel will fail to fulfill all the things that God has asked them to do. Like you and me. We can relate to that, can't we? But over time, there is something that builds up in the land. You know, if you study plate tectonics, which I am no expert in, geology was a tough one for me in college, but I did take it and I passed it, praise God. And we studied plate tectonics. You know that one of the realities of our world is that the crust of the earth is broken up into these distinct plates and they rub against each other. I guess that's a little like people a little like marriage or parents and kids or I don't know a church <laughs> could be maybe a nation politics oh we rub against each other something fierce these days don't we and pressure builds up until there's a point at which all that reserved tension opposing breaks free and you get an earthquake and the whole world seems to shake and pretty devastating thing well there's something spiritual to be observed in that the idea that spiritual tensions which result from sin our sin not just some generic and impersonal idea of sin but the aggregated that is the collected cumulative sin of every person look there are millions of people in LA County so how many tens of millions or hundreds of millions of sins were committed right now? And every now. And every moment. And sometimes they're hours, right? You know, Lord, sometimes they are our sins. Now think of that as like a deposit into the bank an injection into the ground, seed being sown into the earth. Over time, 
that sin and the tension of it builds up to a place where the very land itself shudders under the weight of sin. In Israel, the prophet said, the Lord is going to remove you, Israel, from the land because of your sin so that the land might have the rest that you didn't give to it. The Sabbath days you didn't observe. The Sabbath years you didn't observe. The worship that you didn't partake in or that you partook in artificially as a ritual, as an obligation, but not as a place of the investment of your heart. And because of that, disaster. Are you sick in your body? Could it be from sin? Don't be offended. There's no sickness that is not related to sin. That doesn't mean that every sickness shows that you are a sinner. But you don't really need sickness to tell you that you're a sinner, do you? I'm a sinner, and so are you. But we have a Savior, and our Savior is a healer. Therefore, come to the Lord. Trust in Him and receive the rest of His promise, the rest in your body, and the rest of the land will be blessed through the best of the Lord alive in you. There are three major themes that we've talked about in the book of Joshua, and I want to review them today as we come to a conclusion of this series. Transition. Look, you and I, we're part of a church, if you're a member of PCF, that is still in transition and really will always be in transition because God's always doing something new. Look, behold, I do a new thing, says the Lord, in uh, our prayer meeting on Friday. By the way, you remember we had our prayer and fasting meeting on Friday past, right? Not this coming Friday. We made uh, provision for you to enjoy a long Labor Day weekend. But we had our prayer and fasting meeting this past Friday. And I spoke out of the book of Isaiah, among other passages, about how the Lord said, don't dwell on the past. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Transition is about a new thing. But in the midst of a new thing, remember who God is. Remember the true thing, which is what God has done in the past, he will do in the future. Hebrews 13.8 is the motto of our movement in Foursquare. But it's also the message of the Lord to all his people at all times. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in Joshua, we remember that there is a powerful history to be remembered about God's leadership, what God has done in your life. Don't forget it. Don't let go of it. Hold on to it and let him lead you through the testimony of what he's already done and through the heritage of what he's doing right now. God's call is for the present moment. God's name is I am, not I was, not I will be, although in the I am there is that reality. I was the one who saved you. I will be the one who delivers you, but I am right now in this moment with you. I'm the God who is ever-present, says the Lord. And so he says, since I am ever-present, enter into the present promise of what I'm calling you to, even though it's a challenge. Yes, this moment right now is a challenge. I don't know what particularly your challenge is. As a church, we have challenges. But that's not a problem. That's a promise. It's an opportunity 
to enter into the heritage of what God has called us to do and to be and to walk in obedience because we hope not in this world but in the Lord the God of all times of all worlds the God who is to come a Jesus who will return and yet the very same Jesus who says I won't leave you orphans I will never leave you nor forsake you so our obedience is based upon our hope our hope that God will help us through his perpetual presence God helped the people of Israel they looked at the promised land and it was full of tribes that opposed them cities that were well fortified how would they take them but God said to them enter into the land cross over the Jordan he stopped that Jordan River so that they could cross he brought down the walls of Jericho so that they could have victory over that major city and they extended their reach into the land last week we looked at the day the Sun stood still when Joshua and the children of Israel were achieving victory over their enemies in the southern regions the kings that had coalesced to come against them and Joshua was not only having victory over their king those kings and their army but he even was victorious over the natural realm he said to the Lord halt the day pause the Sun put a pause on the moon and somehow God did the impossible because Joshua called for it and believed for it and God is able nothing will be impossible for the one who believes and calls upon the name of the Lord and so they achieved victory in the southern regions and today we talk about how they achieved victory in the northern regions as well having secured the central portion of what would be Israel and the southern territory they then went into the north you know that many of these kings had names that literally translate to things such as the high one or the beloved of the high one and what Joshua and the children of Israel showed was that the one who is truly on high the most high the Almighty gave them victory over those who claimed to be high and mighty but really could not be victorious against the power of the Lord what is high and mighty in your life before you get angry and aggressive about some person let me remind you what we looked at in Ephesians last week we don't wrestle against flesh and blood we're not here to bring down people but principalities and powers in the heavenlies if Joshua could call upon God and say halt the Sun and halt the moon how much more can you call upon God to say halt the devil put a stop to the demonic all you have to do is look around and you can see the demonic but the people of the world can't and why is that because the demon himself that old serpent Satan always a liar from the beginning puts a veil over people's eyes but Jesus Christ has torn that veil, that veil in two he's torn it away when you see things from God's perspective it's not difficult to see the enemy at work in our world but it's also not difficult to believe that God is greater that greater is he who is in you believer than the one who's in the world and if the Spirit of the Lord isn't in you then that's not true But the Spirit of the Lord wants to dwell in you so why not open to him today you may not know how you're under the control of the enemy but are you in control of your life maybe you're like Paul you say the things I don't want to do I keep on doing and the things I know I should do I don't seem to do who will save me from this what Paul said was Jesus Christ will save me the one who the Son sets free is free indeed Jesus brings in rest and renewal into your life in the same way 
that the Joshua generation brought rest and renewal into the land. You know, we struggle with the idea that there were many people that were killed in the Canaanite conquest, and that's true. But consider this. There was blessing that came to the land. The land that had been drenched in the blood of little children sacrificed on stone altars to idolatrous gods. The land that had been drenched in the perversions of the sex cults of the idolatrous temples and in the wicked injustice of those pagan courts that ruled always in favor of those who could pay for justice so that the poor and the needy were left bereft of justice. Don't you recognize that what God was saying was, I will bring an end to all of that and give rest and renewal to the land and bring forth the promise. The servant of the Lord, we are told in Joshua 12, verse 6, gave the land to the possession of the people. The servant of the Lord is Joshua. The servant of the Lord is Jesus. And if you will let Jesus be master of your life, then we can call ourselves servant of the Lord too. It was a special title that Moses used. But it means that you and I, we are called by a holy call. Next week, we're going to have a wonderful guest preacher with us. Uh, Sister Hazel and I will be here as well, and we're looking forward to hearing from her. If you were at the women's gathering in May, you've already heard her speak. She's an ordained Foursquare pastor. Her name is Pastor Maureen Broderson, and she's going to speak about eradicating unbelief. Will you turn to the person next to you and say, next week we're going to hear about eradicating unbelief. We often recognize that in the world there are people who have unbelief. But you know what Pastor Maureen's going to talk to us about? How even people of the Lord are limited by our unbelief. We want to eradicate that so that we can bring forth the promise of God in our lives. And the way to do that is to live in obedience. Now we've talked about uh, chapters 11 and 12. I want to use the remainder of our time to do a summary to talk about the book of Joshua to this point. Hopefully with the idea of taking away some clear and applicable points. After 11 weeks of talking about this, I think that's doable for us. What do you say? I want to remind you that Joshua, the son of Nun, this historic man who was the assistant to Moses and Moses' successor, is also one who carries the name of Jesus. Joshua and Jesus are the same name just Hebrew and Greek forms. And the name means Yahweh, I am. That's the covenantal name, is salvation. Or salvation comes from Yahweh. In other words, Joshua is a type of Christ. He shows us how Jesus wants to operate in our lives today. Jesus comes and says, I've got a new covenant for you. You're a new generation in me. In fact, 2 Corinthians makes it clear that whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has already come. So Joshua shows us that a Joshua generation is a Christian generation, if you will. That's why we look at these lessons. Because the word of God is not only a historical record, but a present purposeful pattern for us to follow and a future promise for us to hope in. 
Joshua 1 reminded us that strength and courage come from God. When we are walking with God, we're going to face enemies, we're going to face challenges, we're going to face hardship. But if we will walk on holy ground, living by His holy word, and sharing in His holy charge what He has called us to do, we will be strong and courageous. The place of promise is made holy because the promise comes from God, and God Himself is holy. Wherever we go in faithful obedience to God's call, we have holy power to achieve and proclaim his victory. That may be the undergirding lesson of the book of Joshua. But in that first chapter, there are several applicable points that we can retain. We should be governed by spiritual rather than material considerations. This is not only true in Joshua 1, but we see it throughout Joshua, and we see it throughout the scriptures. Jesus said, don't store up treasure here on earth, where people can steal it, and where it's going to rot away. Store up treasure in heaven. I like to watch those restoration videos on YouTube. Have you ever watched any of those? I, I dig those. Something so good about watching something so bad get restored. And I have to say, every time I watch that, one of those old rusted toys or... I don't know, some old meat cleaver or something, and you see it come out gleaming and wonderful, I think of the Lord. That's like us. We were ruined by sin. We were broken. And yet God can restore. There's something even greater about a thing that was once ruined and how now has been made right. But the only way that's going to happen is if you put your focus on the Lord. Seek First, the kingdom of God and all these other things will be restored to you. Value relationships above riches because relationships are worth more. People are worth more than things. And people aren't things. Remember that. People are people. Violating covenant offends God. Violating covenant with him, violating covenant with others. So don't do that. And when you do it, confess it and make amends and ask the Lord to restore Keep your word, even when it's painful to do so. Make every effort to maintain the unity of community among believers and love one another in that community. These are lessons we learn from the Joshua generation. There are people outside of Israel who also enter into the promise. And Rahab represents that reality for us better than anyone. In Joshua chapter 2, we were reminded to hang on to a certain hope and to let out that rope of hope to hang that crimson cord in our window. The thread of redemption that says, I'm trusting in God. Rahab was the prostitute who was a member of the city of Jericho, but said, I prefer to put my trust in the God of Israel. And because of that, the spies of Israel said to her, you've given us a safe haven and you've given us your word. We'll give you ours. The Lord will save you and your family. And he did. Rahab's rope let the spies out the window into saving safety for Israel. They climbed down that rope so that they could get out of the city and not be harmed. But they said, leave that rope in the window so that we will know that you belong to the Lord. And because of that, Rahab's hope brought Jesus into the world with saving grace for all. I'll remind you that Rahab is one of the great, 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 great grandmothers of Jesus Christ. When you and I put our hope in the Lord, you have no idea how many people might be saved because of your trust in God. So who can I help today? Who can I show God to today? 
Let out the rope of your hope. Give somebody else a hand out, a hand up, even just a handshake in faith. And allow that to be the heritage of your hope in Christ. Think about that this week. Who can you give help to? And God will honor that. In in Joshua chapters 3 and 4, we saw the nation of Israel crossing over the Jordan. The Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. The priests went ahead. And the rivers were stopped, not only at that place, but all the way up to a town called Adam, which was a symbol, as we discussed, of how God says, not only will I stop the flow of sin in your life, but I'll go all the way back to the source, all the way back to the generational curses that have come down to you. Do you have something in your DNA that makes you predispositioned to some disease? Don't live under that curse. Let the Lord halt that all the way back to the beginning. Is there a history of depression, of alcohol abuse or drug abuse in your family? Is there a a history of physical abuse or verbal abuse? Don't live under the burden of that. Let the Lord halt the flow of that all the way back to its source. No matter who you are, you were born of sinners and you are yourself a sinner just like me. But let the Lord halt the flow of sin, not just in you, but all the way back to the beginning. How? By consecrating yourself to the Lord. By participating together in the promise that God gives to his people and by commemorating who he is. Read the word. Remember his works and declare his goodness today. As we participate together, we enter together into God's promises. But if we resist, we're holding back not only for ourselves, but for everyone else. Look to the person to your right, to your left. Your faithfulness affects them, and their faithfulness affects you. That's why when we baptize, we don't do it in secret. We do it in public, because we're part of one body. There's one Lord, one Father, God of all, one Spirit, one Savior. And that Savior stands with us. In Joshua chapter 5, Joshua actually encountered the other Joshua, Jesus the angel of the armies of heaven. And that angel said to him, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. The same message that came to Moses came to Joshua, comes to you today. You're standing on holy ground. Wherever you're at in your life today, God sanctifies it by his presence. He hasn't abandoned you. Even if you feel like he has, I want to open your eyes in the spirit and say, look, the Lord of the angel armies is standing right in front of And he says, I'm not here to do your bidding, nor am I here to do the bidding of your enemy. I am here to do the will of the Father in your life. When you stand with God, he stands with you. Hallelujah. So you worship him. And that worship alone is powerful. The Joshua generation came to one of the mighty cities of that land with high walls and big armies. And what the Lord said to them was, Don't try and break down the wall. Don't try and climb over the wall. Worship around the walls. Not worship. Worship. That's a typo. But you know what? I'll I'll take that. As you worship, you workshop something, huh? Let God build something in your worship. Let God build an altar in your life through your worship and tear down the walls of the enemy. Bring down strongholds in the spiritual realm as you lift up strongholds of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Turn to the person next to you and say, worship brings down the walls. All right, I confess that was just so I could drink water, but it's good to say it twice, right? We should say it a third time because God does things in threes. Worship brings down the walls. Every wall must fall. Sin, debt, disease, doubt, death, depression, all of those things and more come down when we lift up the Lord. But remember this. God is not mocked. It's no good to just lift up the words of praise, but live a life of sin. Lots of people have taken that pattern, but it doesn't work. Achan was part of the people of Israel. He went in and received the victory. But when God said, you must consecrate those things that you have obtained, those materials, the wealth and the and the and the uh, objects must come back to God so that they can be consecrated. Not because God is greedy, but because God is glorious. Achan held on to it for himself, buried it underneath the tent, told his family, don't tell anybody. We're going to hold on to this. But what does it matter? It mattered not only to them, it meant their life. But it mattered to all Israel. Because whatever you put down into the ground is going to determine what you bring forth from it. Achan buried sin and he ended up having to eat the fruit of it. But if he would have sown righteousness, he would have eaten the fruit of the land. It's tempting to think that since we can't generally see God, he can't see us. That we can hide things from him. And he gives us breathtaking freedom. But he tells us there is a judgment. Everything which is now hidden will be revealed. If that scares you, let me tell you, it's scary to me too. Except that I remember this. Nothing is hidden in my life. I lift it up to the Lord. You know, I've got, oh, catalogs of sin but I have the blood of Jesus Christ. And thank God, I'm living out of sin, not into it. Amen? So sow into the things of the Lord that God might bring forth a harvest in you. And if you've had past failure because of your sin or someone else's or just because God was giving you an opportunity to learn a lesson, which sometimes God does, then remember what Joshua generation showed us at Ai, a city where when they first came against it in their pride, they failed because they didn't know that Achan had sin buried in the middle of the camp. But once they dug that sin out and the Lord dealt with that, then they came back to Ai and had victory in chapter 8. God grants second chances to people, to repentant people, to people who seek him and will confess their sin. Hallelujah. Joshua's victory at Ai occurred at the very same site where they had had a failure. It's a great remember, reminder to all of us to remember to try again with God. If there's some place where you've failed in the past, try again, but with God.
call upon God and ask for his help, but never proceed without his counsel. In Joshua 9, we saw how the Israelites made a treaty with the Gibeonites who lied to them and said, we're from far off and presented themselves in such a way that it seemed reasonable to believe. But this passage also tells us that Joshua and the Israelites did not consult the Lord. Isn't that amazing? After all they've seen, after all they've done, after how far they've come, but that's what happens. We get cocky, we get confident, and we think, hey, I know what I'm doing, and God is with me. But remember, the equation works this way. You're with God. He's the one leading. I will remind you of the passage that I quoted earlier, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Don't rely on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge God. He'll direct your paths. So, seek the Lord's counsel first, always. But sometimes what God says is, believe for the unbelievable. Is anything too hard for the Lord? With God, nothing is impossible. All things are possible for the one who believes. So believe the unbelievable when God promises it so that you can achieve the undeniable because God brings forth his promise in a way in which it's visible to the world around you. Just as Joshua believed the Lord for the halting of the sun and the extension of the victory, so you and I are called to call upon God in miraculous ways when God says, I want to achieve a victory in you. So here I want to summarize in brief statement the lessons from these chapters of the first half of Joshua. In conclusion, be courageous in God's call. Will you say that? Be courageous in God's call. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, neither be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9 Hang on to hope in God's promise. It's Rahab's rope of hope. Let the sign of Christ be visible in your life. Remain committed to the community of God. None of us are saved alone. Friend, if you're watching right now on the internet and you don't have a home church, if you're in the Los Angeles area, we invite you to come here not because we're looking to get more givers, not because we're looking to get more uh, followers, although we believe there's a harvest to be found in those areas, but because we're looking for you to be a part of the body of Christ. And if you have somewhere else to connect with the body of Christ, hallelujah, then connect there. But go there. Be there. Be in a place where people of the Lord express faith in him together, worship him together, where they revere the word and follow it, where they desire to be disciples and they demonstrate it, where the fullness of the Holy Spirit is welcomed and invited, received, and walked in. Wherever you are, there is some place around you that worshipers like that convene. Be part of it. And if by any chance you're in some place far off where such a place doesn't exist, then give yourself to God in such a way that you become the one who hosts that gathering. But never think that you can be alone with the Lord and truly be a part of Christ. Because the body is a community. We are meant to be together. And we are meant together to take our stand in the Lord. And having done all, to stand firm. Joshua 5 says that when we stand with God, God stands with us. And we advance through worship. Worship is so powerful in our lives. 
Don't let the only time of worship be Sunday morning for you. Let Sunday morning worship be a high point for you, but don't let it be the only time. Worship the Lord on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday too. And don't just worship Him in music, although have the music of the Lord playing in your ears all week long. But worship Him in and through the Word. Sister Tammy is going to start a class on September 8th on the Psalms. Hallelujah! That is God's Word of worship. What a blessing to get to walk through the Psalms and look at how the Word enables us to worship the Lord. And in all times, the Psalms remind us that we worship the Lord when things are good and when things are bad. We worship the Lord when we're happy and when we're sad and when we're mad and when we are defeated and when we are opposed and when we are oppressed, as well as when we are glorified and exalted. All of these things are a part of our life. Advance through them in worship. Worship the Lord in meditation. I read a devotional this week that said, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. It's true, right? Not like, ah! All you have to do is change what you're focused on. Worry focuses on the problem. Meditation focuses on the Lord. Spend time focusing on the Lord. Spend time listening for the Lord. Don't just talk to Him. Be silent before the Lord and let Him talk to you. For heaven's sakes, how is He going to say anything? If all you're ever doing, if you and I go to him, is just talk, 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 talk. Sometimes you've got to be quiet and let him respond. God is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Listen to him, and that's worship too. Worship him by being kind to others. Worship him by holding your tongue when you want to respond in anger to a co-worker or a spouse, a child or a parent or a sibling or a friend or a neighbor the person on the street or in the store show love and worship God because God sees all remember that he's watching all the time he knows every thought he sees every deed he knows the reason why you can't say to him well I only did that because he knows why you did it and so do you so don't try and fool him you may fool yourself Jesus said, I'm sure you can justify anything. But if it doesn't correspond with what God says, guess what? God has the last word. God is the first word. God is the last word. Live in the fear of the Lord. That means that you love him enough to recognize he's large and in charge. Hallelujah. He gives second chances. It's good to remember that. What a wonderful balance here is in the flow of Joshua chapters 1 through 12 that we remember all the need to be righteous and worthy and we remember all the fear that comes if we would ignore the Lord but we're also reminded God is gracious he gives second chances so seek God's counsel first ask him what should I do you have a decision in your life job decision relationship decision financial decision ask the Lord First, don't make up your mind and then ask him to agree with you. Come to him first and say, regardless of what I think and what I want, what do you say? Read the word in order to understand that. Come to these gatherings in order to receive teaching about that. Ask for guidance from elders and pastors. I'm here from, for you. You need prayer about some decision in your life and you're seeking the Lord, but you don't know how to hear from him. Let me help you. That's what I'm here for. 
and other pastors as well. Pastor Henry can help you with that. Other elders and leaders in our church, Brother Ludi can help you with that. Sister Tammy can help you with that. There are people who will stand with you in seeking the guidance of the Lord. Don't try and be a lone ranger about it. But also remember this, and this is why sometimes we don't like to do that. It means we're accountable to each other because we're accountable to the Lord. But how glorious is it to receive God's guidance? There is such an assurance that comes when you know, I'm taking a step because God said to take it. Believe that with God, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible with God. No matter how dire the situation, no matter how late the hour, no matter how wrong your past, no matter how uncertain your future, all things are possible for the one who believes. All things are possible for God. And God will do what is right. Trust God for all the rest. Trust God for everything else. God will give you the rest of the land. God will give you the rest of the promise. God will give you the rest of your life. God will give you the rest of heaven. Fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the rest of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Lord, we lift up our lives to you today once again. And we say, forgive us of our sin. And forgive those who have sinned against us. But Lord, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Thank you that you provide daily for us what we need. Food, shelter, clothing, breath of life, and spiritual hope. Thank you, Lord, that you lead us not into any temptation, but you deliver us from all evil as we rely upon you. Thank you, Lord, that the rest of everything else is found and made right in you. The kingdom, the glory, the power. All kingdoms, all countries, all thrones are under your feet. All creatures, great and small, all things, human, the angels, the demons, the animals, everything is under your control and under your command because it came forth from your word, from your mind and from your heart. Lord, we don't understand everything. But we know that we stand in this moment at the point of a promise. And that promise is from you. And it is simply this, that you came that we would have life and life more abundantly. The rest of what was in store for us from the beginning that was lost but now found. I was once lost but now I'm found. And so also my brothers and sisters. And if there's anyone within the sound of my voice today, hearing or reading these words or in any way receiving this message today or in times to come, who is lost, thank you, Lord, that right now they realize they're found in you. That their life belongs to you. Their life came from you. Their life flows to you. 
And I stand in agreement with them right now that they give their life to you. And for all brothers and sisters who have already given their life to you, I stand with them in agreement for the renewal of that covenant today. That today we say once again, my life is yours, Lord. You're the master, Jesus. Tell me what you want me to do. Show me how to live. Speak your word to me. I will worship you. All I have, all I am, I give to you forever. Thank you, Lord, that even right now your spirit enters in to the open, willing heart and gives the assurance that you will give them all the rest and all the reward that you have promised to the righteous. The righteous made righteous by faith and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah.